Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. We've discussed um, adequately enough, I think, Nepios. Um, and at the last session we did Pidon. And just to reflect, um, Pidon is a little child, remember? Um, a child in, in intellect. And um, we've discussed various trades attendant with this level of sonship. For example, we said the child starts to know the nature and the character of father and starts to develop intimacy with him. Okay, So there's be the beginnings of an internal knowing of father and a development of intimacy with him. Uh, B, we said the child starts to become aware of and he knows the blessedness of his walk in, in God. He begins to realize um, that he's already being blessed in Christ um, before time began, literally. Okay, So he's, he lives a blessed life and he comes into this reality progressively day by day. C, we said the Pidon son knows what it is to humble himself, to gain entrance into particular kingdom expressions of life. He learns how to deal with pride. As a child, he knows how to humble himself, to gain entrance into kingdom expressions of life. So Jesus said, um, unless you become converted and become like Pideon, like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And you must humble yourself as a child. And then you'll be greatest in the kingdom. And then D, we said, uh, for the first time he realizes, or he really begins to enter or experience the kingdom of his father. And uh, we alluded to the portion there in Mark 10, 15. This relates to uh, becoming childlike in your trusting disposition, where um, you just reflexively obey a command without rationally trying to process it. So your obedience becomes more and more reflexive during this time. And in doing so, you then begin to enter greater expressions of, of the kingdom. And then we said, E, during the season, the child grows in strength, wisdom, and, and grace. The term Pideon is used of Christ in Luke 2.40, where it says the child, the Pideon, grew and became strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was, the grace of God was on him, right? Remember we said in Jewish culture, it, this would reflect a, a young boy or girl between 2 to 10 years old. Now the Jews were more thorough in terms of educating their children in the ways of God than what contemporary society is, right? Um, the average Jewish child would have been steeped in the Torah at least, right? The first five books of the Bible. And so the average Pidon starts to gain wisdom, insight, and intellect based upon his exposure to the word of the Lord by his parents at this time. And 
So it was no, it's no coincidence then when it says of Jesus, and the child began to grow in strength. He began to grow and increase in, in wisdom. And it says, and the grace of God was, the grace of God was on him. Uh, sixthly, we said, point F in your note, the child still needs development in his thinking, especially how to practically apply the gifts, talents, and abilities that the Lord has, has given him. Okay, the child knows, uh, and, or rather he might be well endowed with specific gifts, talents, um, in the spirit. Either spirit gifts or, or ministry gifts. But he might lack the wisdom in terms of how to practically apply um, the gift. So Paul would say to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14, a chapter in which he talks about the gifts, verse 20, do not be children or piedon in your thinking. And this he's saying in the context of speaking about how one should operate in the gifts. So he's saying, and, and he was really talking about two gifts in particular, if you read the context. He was talking about the gift of, of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And he was also talking about the gift of prophecy and which to use when. Which to use when. For example, you would say, I would rather speak five words of prophecy in a context rather than to speak in tongues without the gift of interpretation being present and no one is edified by my speaking. He said, then in that case, I would rather speak in, I give a word of prophecy. Then he makes a statement, brethren, in your thinking, don't be pideon. So you might be graced usually significantly, well endowed, to do certain things, but you might lack the wisdom in terms of as to when to apply what God has given you. So you would appeal to the, to, the, to the Corinthian context, and he says to them, do not be children in your thinking, in evil be infants, nepiazo. Another version says, in evil be innocent, right? As a child is innocent of evil, right? Be like that, be, 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 be a nepios in, in reference to your innocence in relation to evil. But he says, in your thinking, be mature. Right? So it's not just because you have the gifts. You might lack the wisdom in terms of how and when to, to use them. Right? And then point G, the child at times has difficulty in understanding the will of God attendant with his life in a specific season and the revelation of Christ to him in that season. Remember we did this at length on Sunday uh, with Jesus um, after his uh, death and, and his resurrection. The third time he appeared to his disciples and he said to them, because they had gone fishing and he finds them trying to catch fish and he says, my children, my piedon, right? So a piedon trait or characteristic is manifest whenever you, for lack of understanding, the season in which you are, which sometimes you are disappointed because things haven't gone the way you thought or planned, and you sense that, in, in a sense, God has abandoned you or has left you, right? Because they don't know Christ in a particular manner anymore, and there's this feeling of despair. So we rather revert back to something we are comfortable with and something we, we know. 
And so while you were exposed for three years to all of his teachings, saw all of his miracles, at the end of that journey, he still addresses you as a child, right? Because you, through failure to understand the particular season or epoch of time in which you lived and God is busy expressing certain things in your life, failure to understand how Christ is coming to you in that season, the sense of, of abandonment that you might feel that Christ has left you and what has all of your devotion and commitment to amounted to, right? And so you revert back to an inaccurate engagement. In their context, it was fishing, right? And so he says, my Pidon, you haven't caught any fish, have you? <laughs> I like the way he says it. Right? And they say, no. He says, cast the net onto the, onto the other side. And they caught a massive haul of 153, of 153 fish. The disciple that John loved recognized that it was... The disciple that Jesus loved, which is John, recognized that it was the master. Tells Peter. First thing Peter does is what? He takes his, he takes his mantle or his cloak or coat. Scripture says, and he puts it back on and in brackets in your bible john 21 it says for he had taken it off to fish right a coat is a, a sign of a grace or a mantle symbolically what peter was doing he was remantling himself back to his apostolic call right get back to the thing that god originally uh, separated me unto right and you know he he throws himself into the sea and he makes haste right eventually when he meets the Lord um, at the shore, um, the Lord um, basically recommissions him, asks him, do you love me? Remember three times? Then feed my lamb, feed my sheep. Forget the fishing. Get back to what you should be doing. Feed my lambs now. Feed my, feed my sheep. Okay? And then he asks Peter again, follow me. A, a command Peter heard three years earlier, which he had now forsaken. So the command is, his recommission. Now, come and follow. Come and follow me. When you were young, you did whatever you want to. Jesus talked to him. When you were young, you did whatever you want to. But now that you are growing and maturing, um, someone's going to take you and lead you to where you don't want to go. The next verse says, and this he spoke about the kind of death Peter would experience, which was crucifixion. Right? Jesus was saying, this time, Peter, are you really willing to follow me to the place where you will die unto yourself, your own desires, your own ambitions, ambitions and follow me? Okay? So all of that um, tendency to revert back and not pay the price is a pied-on expression. Right? But God must yank us out of this, out of this phase sometimes. Because there's a tendency in us all, not so, to revert back. Having been with Him so long. Right? That's what Paul says, in your thinking, do not be pied on. Right? But I love the way the Lord deals with them. He doesn't come with a harsh rebuke. It was a sense of great provision. Right? And I said to you prophetically, I just sense that God is about to break upon us, uh, uh, kind of provision that's going to signify to us how he wants us to get back to 
an original call in which when we pursue it to the place of death unto ourselves, following him wholeheartedly, not my way, but, but your way, O oh God, that in that culture we will be adequately resourced to do his will. Amen? Right? So tell your neighbor, no more pied on. Right? right? No more pied on. Do not be children in your thinking, Paul says. Right? Be, as far in reference to evil, be innocent, but in your thinking, be teleos, be mature. Right? Right? Be mature. You know, in large respect, all of this is, relates to the mentality. The levels of sonship relate to the thinking. So the renewing of the mind and the, the renovation of the soul here is a very important, very, very important um, issue. For example, nepios, any Greek word starting N-E, N-E is negative. It negates whatever follows. Pios from pious is to speak. So nepios, literally translated, is one who cannot speak. Right? The person who cannot speak cannot process. Because the, the voice is a reflection of the process of the mind, of the thought process. Right? So all the naught two-year-old can do, he, he, even he can't express his internal desire. All he can do is whine and cry. And all of that whining and crying is totally for his own needs. Self-absorbed, self-focused, etc. Amen? And so we need to upgrade in our thought life. Okay? It's amazing. Repeat after me. In your thinking, be mature. Paul says in that department, in your thinking, be mature. Paul is saying, if I can get you people to think like mature men, you will start to behave like mature men. Okay? If you can renovate the mind, you can transform your life. Okay? If you can renovate the mind, you can transform your life. Okay, let's get on to the third <coughs> Greek word that is translated son, a third level of sonship, which is technon. Okay? Everyone say technon. Technon. Now, let me just give you just three Greek scholars, not in your notes, it's in the updated note. But strong, simply strongs. Uh, three Greek scholars I really like. It's James Strong, uh, Joseph Thayer, and Spirot Zodiatis. Right? Strong's just said, Technon is translated, a child as one produced. Think of it, a child as one produced. So, a child as an offspring. Child as one begotten. Please, it's very important you understand this. So, Technon is always used to indicate and stress that the child was issued forth from somebody. Or, so is a begotten son, a Technon, right? A child as produced. As Odiati says, true children, a true child, a genuine descendant of somebody. Okay? And he also stresses it is more used as a general designation for offspring. Everyone say offspring. Right? And you've got to be very careful. And right at the end of this note, I gave you an additional study note. Right? On whenever you make the distinction between especially technon and uios, that sometimes the technon-uios distinction must not be over-applied to, 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 to stress the separation in the levels of sonship 
as though Technon is the inferior and UAS is the more preferred position. That application of the distinction is not consistently used throughout the scripture. Right? The standard to which we all must subscribe to is UAS. This is the standard that we are going towards. But there are certainly some portions in the scripture, which we'll look at shortly, where Technon is used not so much as an inferior level of sonship, but it's used largely simply to indicate that we were produced, we are the offspring we issued forth from God. So there's caution that you must apply in your mind whenever you study. Now I'm preaching to you like not just to minister to you. You are Bible students, right? So these are keys that when you study the scriptures also, please note in certain instances that technon is purely used to indicate that the offspring, the son, issued forth from the father. Okay? Issued forth from the father. And then Thea simply says, it's the name transferred to that intimate and reciprocal relationship formed by the bonds of love, friendship, and trust. Uh, think in the natural, a 10 to 17 year old, right? And the child grows up in your home. There's that reciprocal relationship. Everyone say reciprocate. So the child starts to now, I mean, already I think reciprocation at this level starts to gain momentum. Not so? It is here to a lesser degree in Piedon, but from here, the child starts to really uh, reciprocate in expressions of love, trust, and a real bond in the, in the relationship. Okay? Now, um, and also, let me just say this. Thayer says this, that Technon also stresses the relationship um, between father and son in terms of teacher and learner. So there's instruction, there's there's the mentor and the protege. There's the one who teaches and the one who learns. So in some scriptures, it is used like that. Okay? For example, Paul never ever referred to Timothy as his Uyas. He always said, my son, my, my technon. He's my son in the Lord. What he was doing is stressing the fact that this is the one who learns from me. Okay? This is the one who, who learns from me. And I'll show you later in another scripture, it was also a term of deep endearment and love. Okay? And so it's, it's a valid, valid place. But let's do this properly. Okay? Sam Solon said the following. It's in your notes. Um, the technon is the child who knows that his sins are forgiven. That's very, very important. You'll see it come through the scriptures in a moment. Sin management... Everyone say sin management. And I'll show you the scripture for that shortly. Sin management gives way to grace. Love for others flourishes during the season. This is a time to embrace the birthright of the Father and find his place in his spiritual lineage and heritage. The child begins his father's business at this stage. The child receives the transgenerational promises and crawls on the altar to die to self-fulfillment. Tell your neighbor, crawl on the altar and die. I like the way it's phrased. And I'll show you the scripture for that shortly. Right? The child matures quickly as he serves a lifestyle of sacrifice. During this season, the child grows in wisdom, stature, and in favor with both God and and men. Let's look at the principles. 
So, in the natural, it would relate to a boy, Jewish boy, in their culture of between 10 years old and 17 years old. Now, firstly, the first thing. The technon is a son who is fully conscious that his sins have been forgiven. Right? He has no guilt and condemnation. Question. Let me ask you tonight. Do you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that your sins are forgiven? Yes or no? Right? Now, Matthew 9, 2 says this. They brought, remember the paralytic? They brought him to the Lord. They brought the paralytic lying on a bed and seeing their faith. This is Matthew 9, 2. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, Technon, son. Your sins are forgiven you. Right? Your sins are forgiven you. Now, here's an interesting thing. In a sense, he comes into salvation, not so? Now, most of us will say, no, he's Nepios. He just came in now, a few minutes ago. Right? So that is why techno, you've got to be very careful when you apply this. Technon need not be a stage in the development of sonship, depending on the scripture you are referencing. It could very well simply describe the legal status a person has as, as a son in the kingdom. If you are a son in the kingdom, your sins are forgiven. Right? Your sins are forgiven. Right? So tell your neighbor, you are technon. Because your sins are forgiven. Right? Now in other, other portions of scripture, it's not good to be technon because by that stage you should be uios. Okay? Are you grateful that you're not going to hell? Come on, talk to me. You're thankful for your salvation. Right? But we, are not, we don't stay at that level. God expects for us to grow to a place of greater maturity in Him where we can handle the Father's business upon the, upon the earth. I'm deeply grateful for the cross. I'm deeply grateful for what the blood of Christ means to me. But I'm not expected to stay there. Right? And as, as the sum total of my relationship with Him. My sins are forgiven, but God expects me to, to um, proceed toward maturity in my sonship. First John 2.12 says, I am writing to you little children. Now little children here is not technon, it's technion, which is simply a diminutive form of technon. It basically means the same thing in essence. So John says, I'm writing to you little technons because your sins have been forgiven. Can you see this in the scripture? So in this context, it is used to indicate the fact that sins have been forgiven, one is washed, clean, etc. Now because of this, I want to encourage you. I just add this into your notes. If your sins are forgiven, then do not live with guilt and condemnation. Don't let the past haunt you and you cannot sleep. Right? There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1 um, and 2. Hebrews 9.14 in your notes there says something to the effect that if the blood of goats and the, and the sprinkling of the hyphas blood cleansed to the purification of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, His only Son, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So my conscience is, is cleansed also. Right? 
In Psalm 32, you have the reference there, verse 1 and 2. David said something to the effect of, Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, to whom the Lord does not impute um, unrighteousness. Right? So tell your neighbor, you are blessed if your sins are forgiven. And I want to encourage you. You see, the reversion, the problem that some technons have is that they live being haunted by the guilt of the past sin which God has erased and forgiven. Right? Right? So it's very important because this is, a, a, this is one who has got legality. That's why as many as received him. He gave what? Come on, John 1, 12. He gave what? He gave power or authority to be called what? The technons. The word there is technon. The son with legal status to call himself, I am a son. Why? I know my sin has been dealt with. Okay? My sin has been dealt with. That's point B. The technon has a legitimate and a valid relationship with his, with his father. Amen? And so tell your neighbor you have a right to be called son. You have a right to be called son. In this sense, the word technon is used in a technical sense. Whenever I think technon, I think technical. Right? Uh, it's technically used to describe um, that I have, I'm legitimately a son of God because I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Legally, I'm a son. My sins are, are washed away. And remember the Greek scholar says, it is a son as produced. It's a designation to describe an offspring. I'm the offspring of God. I issue forth from him. He washed me clean by his blood. I am his technon. Okay? I am his technon. Again, I want to remind you, Paul often uses this term to refer to Timothy. Right? Uh, my father, the Lord, would be, would be correct to say of me, Randolph, my technon, if he was talking Greek. My technon. He's not saying you are less, in that context, that you, have, you occupy an inferior place in the sonship stages. All he's, he's using the term to reference the fact that you issue forth from me. Um, the grace in me produces the Christ in you. Right? The grace of God in me. Um, you are the teacher. I am. Uh, you are the learner. I am the, the teacher. Okay? It's used in that context um, as well. Amen. Look at Romans. Well, we, let's just read this for the sake of the recording. John 1, 11 and 12 says the following. He came unto his own. And those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the, the technon of God. The children, or some of your versions say the, the sons of God. Even to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, uh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of... Can you see the context in which is used? We are born of God, not of the will of the flesh, not of men. So the word is used to stress that we are offspring or products of God because we've accepted Christ as our, as our Lord and Savior. Okay? This might seem not impressive to you, but this is not a motivational Bible study. But let me tell you, it's a key that if you're a good Bible student, this is going to help you invaluably when you reference other portions of Scripture. Um, the way technon is, is also used. Amen? Now, <clears throat> Romans 9, 6 to 8 says the following. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. 
For they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. In other words, yeah, not, not all is Israel. Not all Jews are the true Israel. We, we know that you and I are the true Israel. Those who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Right? So he's saying they're not all Israel who are of Israel. Right? Don't be fooled, Paul is saying. And then he says this. For nor are they all children. They're not all technons. Because they are Abraham's descendants. Not because they can point back, hey, we issued for from Abraham. Biologically, we can trace my father, my father, his great-grandfather, etc. And find our way back to Abraham. He said, not because you are Abraham's descendants. Are you technons of Abraham? Are you offspring of him? Right? Then he says this. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. That is, not children of the flesh who are the children of God, but children of promise are regarded as descendants. Right? Can you see that? Right? So not, not the children who can trace their lineage back biologically, humanly, physically to Abraham, they are not legally, necessarily, the technons of God, but it's any child born who is a son of promise like Isaac was. Right? So not because you're a Jew or you are you a child of God, right? This has got nothing to do with things natural. You have to be born of God through his through his spirit. Add this verse in there, Romans eight sixteen says the following. And this verse we know very well. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are the sons of God. The word sons there is tecton. That's very important. That verse you must, and this principle, factor into your thinking, which I will allude to it later on. We quote this verse very often. eh? The Spirit witnesses with my spirit that I am a son of God. But the word son you are referencing there, the Spirit witnesses with your spirit that you are a technon of God. And what the Spirit is doing is not validating uh, an inferior level of sonship in that verse. All that verse is saying, the Spirit assures or witnesses with your spirit that indeed you are God's offspring. You issue forth from Him. Okay? So His Spirit witnesses with your spirit that you indeed are God's offspring. So the witness of the Spirit to your spirit that you are a technon simply validates your placement as a son in God's kingdom. In that context, right? Now, next point. The son starts to live a life overcoming of sin and expressing practical righteousness. Amen? Everyone say overcoming sin. Say practical righteousness. Right? Even, you know, a a child of this, between this age, they start to the beginnings of maintaining the culture of their home. Right? The, the will of their parents, overcoming anything that will erode into the culture of their home. A sense of adulthood starts to mature, the beginnings, early traces of it. Right, So things like uh, unrighteousness and overt um, sin, uh, do not. Uh, the, the child starts to deal with those things. Now here are some verses in reference to this. First John 2.1 says the following. 
My children, in other words, my, my technon. I'm writing these things to you so that you might not sin. Right? If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the, the righteous. Right? So the expectation of John for the technon son is that learn to, to overcome sin. But if you, if you fail in reference to it, then don't stay in it because by virtue of your technon status, your sins are forgiven. You have still an advocate. One, Jesus Christ, to whom you can confess your sin, repent of it, and walk away from it. Right? I had an interesting illustration on TV last night. Um, the one who is saved and the one who is not saved. They both fall. The one who is saved is a sheep and the one who is not saved is a pig. And they both fall into the mud. But the sheep cries out because it's in a foreign environment and wants to be extracted out of the mud as quickly as possible. On the other hand, the pig falls into the mud and you want to take him out. He says, no problem, leave me here. I wallow because this is the environment that I enjoy. Right? Two men can fall into sin. The one will cry out because he knows it's conflicting with his very internal nature and the desire to, to change. The other prefers the state and displays no indication, no willingness to change. Okay? A technon son, he knows his sins have been for, he has been forgiven. He knows the expectation of the Lord of him to overcome it. But if he, through um, uh, some indiscretion or uh, um, whichever, uh, a, a moment of giving into his flesh, um, slips back into it, he knows this is not the place to be forever. So he quickly comes out and he has an advocate with his father. The techno knows this. Tell your neighbor, know your legal rights. You know, this is an, an, an advocacy. It's a, it's a legal term used here. You have representation before our Father, Jesus Christ. He says, the, the righteous. Amen? Aren't you glad you had Him as your advocate? Amen? So it's a wonderful, wonderful um, point of encouragement. 1 John 3.10 says this, By this the children of God and the children of devil are, are obvious. They are distinct. You can separate the sheep from the pigs. Right? Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Right? So everyone say practical righteousness. Righteousness is doing that which is right in God's sight. So it says, you can very tell, easily tell the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil. The children of God, what do we do? We now listen carefully. The Bible says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But yet it says what you must start doing now is practice. Do righteousness. Right? And so you distinguish yourself from him who does not serve God. And the second way you do it, which will come up shortly again later, is love your brother. The technon starts to, as Sam says, flourish in the love for his brothers. Right? You start to find your brother. Right? Remember here, especially here, your Nepios is all about you. You don't even know who your brother is at this stage. You just cry for your own nappies to be changed, your own bottle, right? A self-absorbed, self-centered, 
um, etc. Right? By the time you get to technon, you have the sense of your responsibility towards the house and others in the house. Right? And the sense of responsibility to, to love. Let's just go through it again. So first, the son is fully conscious, the technon son, that his sins have been forgiven. No guilt, no condemnation. Tell you never, no guilt, no condemnation. Right? And we've got to master these things because we've got to master these things. Right? Secondly, the technon has a legitimate and valid relationship with God, his father. Thirdly, he starts to live an overcoming life, overcoming sin, of sin, and start to express practical, practical righteousness. Point D, he starts to flourish in the love for, for others, thereby imitating God, his father. And 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, technion, little children, let us not love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. Right? And now, what does John call the technions? The diminutive of technon. The technons. What, what is he calling these children to do? He is still to love, but it must, must not just be words. He starts to say, let love be expressed practically. Right? Let love be demonstrated. Right? Love by nature is demonstrable. It has got to be expressed. Right? And so this technon starts to grow in love and flourish in love for his brothers in a very practical sense. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says this, Be imitators of God, beloved technons, beloved sons, beloved children. And walk in love. Right? Can you see it again? The technon starts to flourish in his love disposition. Let me tell you, by the time you get here, you are love. I'll show you on Sunday. The Uios, one simple word, embodies this son. He oozes the love of God. But the technon at this stage, he starts, everyone say, start flourishing. You start to demonstrate practically your deep love. Listen carefully. Not just for your most favorite people. Now I know you're maturing. When I see you in the house as my son in the Lord. Start to embrace my other sons, your brothers, as though I would embrace them. Amen? Right? This is when you don't become sectoral in your thinking. Right? And you become schismatic in your devotion to certain sectors in the house. But you embrace the totality. And it's not just words. I can see by what you are doing, you are demonstrating the love of your father. Ephesians 5 is very important. Who are you imitating here? What does it say? Read it carefully. It says, imitate God. Technons. Technons. Imitate God, your Father, and start to walk. Not talk. Start to walk practically in this thing called love. Amen? Tell your neighbor, let's do it. Amen? Can I ask you, sons, will you try at least these things? There's some things I implore you almost weekly to do. What, I'm, what am I trying to do in my... You know, I, I, I was almost... Um, I wanted to send something out yesterday. I didn't do it. So I thought, I'm being too heavy now. In my mind. 
And I read a scripture as, Beloved fathers, I implore you. Paul said this to, to Thessalonians. as to your father, I implore you. I encourage you. And I urge you. And the Lord said, no, don't stop. Because who else is going to do it? Left to themselves, they will not have. That's why, I, you know what? You all need a father. I need a father. Right? This, you see, an external voice outside of yourself, your fathering voice, is designed to fast track your development. Hmm? It's designed for that purpose. So, tell somebody again, walk in love. Walk in love. I like the term flourish. Start to flourish. Yeah, blossom. Let your life um, and let your reputation in the house start to be. Hey, that son of Randolph is just like Randolph. I'll show you on Sunday. You see here, you're still below your father. But you get here, you're almost on equal terms with him and you speak with him on his level. And you function with his concerns. Right? Mary, Mary called Jesus my technon. Right? She called him my technon. Right? But when he becomes yours, he can take a whip and lash people out of his father's house. Why? He can see people abusing the father's house. The culture of the house is being distorted. So I act as a son in faithfulness, like Jesus was a son, over the house. Hebrews 3. Not like Moses was a servant, in the house. Both exhibited faithfulness. But there's a son that is faithful over the house. That's where we are headed to. Amen. Be a son that is faithful over the house. That's a separate sermon altogether. Right. Uh, fifthly, the son submits his own ambition and will in subjection to a spiritual father. Very important. This is what Sam calls you crawl on the altar. And you die, right? To self-fulfillment. Kill your own desire and ambition. And you'll see this in the life of Jesus. The son submits his own ambition and will to a spiritual father who, through the instruction of the word, he matures the nature of Christ within the son, thus facilitating his rapid progression to maturity. And a four dimension fourfold or four dimensional growth of stature wisdom favor with god and favor with men now obviously if you know your bible i'm quoting luke 2 and it's in your notes let's read it together and you'll see this come through very very powerfully luke 2 verse 46 it says then after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers about listening to them and asking questions. So what was he doing? Listening and asking questions. Jesus was very inquisitive, right? He wanted to know everything. He was both listening and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So he wasn't just asking questions. He was also providing Answers. So what was Jesus doing? Everyone said three things. He was listening, he was asking questions, and he was answering. Tell you never highly impressive. I mean this the, Jesus is he's on a roll, yeah, and he's only he's only twelve years old. Right? He's only twelve years old and he's already displaying. Remember as a python it says he grew in wisdom. 
And so his, his spiritual intellect, his spiritual IQ was well formed. By the, by the time he gets to 12, it's advanced, his wisdom in God. So he has the ability to listen intently, ask probing questions, and even when questioned, he can answer quite well. Right? All trades of a technon sonship disposition. Learn how to listen. I should have put it as a point here. Learn how to ask probing questions. And when questioned, you should provide accurate answers. Right? When questioned, you should provide accurate answers. Then, they were astonished and his mother said, oh sorry, let's just back up. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. Everyone said, wow. Check this technon out. And his mother said to him, Technon, son, why have you treated us in this way? Now she's not using technon in a nice sense here. She's addressing him for where he is, but he says, she's really saying to him, with all that you have, and with all the wow you are getting, me, I'm not at all impressed right now. They can be wowing you, but I've got the stick ready and your father to reprimand you and to chastise you. Right? I'll, I'll make the points in a moment. Listen carefully. Let's just, quick, let's just complete reading this. Your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you are looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be where? In my, in my father's house. But they did not understand the statement which he had made. And he went down with them and he came to Nazareth. One of the meanings of Nazareth, there's about <clears throat> a four or five pronged meaning to Nazareth. I'll give you an additional teaching sometime later. But one of the meanings is separation. Right? And he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in what? In wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and with and with men you see the uios son the mature son uh, jesus was declared to be uios not by mary or joseph the declaration came from god you see the U, the, the uios mature son's affirmation validation declaration as to this position can only be declared by god the father nobody else can really do it except Except him. Right? He was Mary's technon, but it was the Heavenly Father's Uyos. Right? Now listen carefully. Remember for 18 silent years in this scripture between 12 and 18? Because he was, Jesus was Uyos at 30 years old. Right? And there's 18 silent years where he did what? He subjected himself to who? Spiritual parents. Right? Can this guy wow everybody with his spiritual gifts and knowledge? Can he pull crowds? Yes. Can he astonish? Has he got the goods? Yeah, he got everything. But there were aspects in his life that needed to be put in. Proper arrangement. I told you this, the word subject, when he says he subjected himself, is hupotasso, right? Which means to put your life in proper arrangement. I hope this works. Of course, let's try Right? Hupo means under, 
tussle is proper arrangement or right order. Hupo tussle means to subject yourself under somebody that can put your life in proper arrangement. Right? So how old was Jesus when he did this? He was 12 years old. He did it for 18 long years. 6 plus 6 plus 6 is 18. 3 times 6 is 18. 6 is the number of man. 3 represents completeness in that context. So the spiritual parents brought wholeness and completeness to his humanity that needed to be put in proper order to line up in his character with the profound spiritual gifts that he has. Right? So there's no, he's not imbalanced. Guess what? Question. Was he, really, was he ready in his own mind to do his father's business? He says, I, I just picture him. Just take none. Uh, mom, dad, what's the big deal? You know, I mean, the angel told you who I am. I'm just paraphrasing. Eh? Didn't Gabriel tell you years ago that you're going to bear the Christ? I am the guy. <laughs> Didn't you know all these things? Don't you know? Is this such a... There should be no surprise. I mean, of all the people, Ma, Dad, I expected you guys to understand more than anybody because you know, you, you were right there. You got Joseph, Dad, you got the dream. Right? Mom, the angel came to you. You know who I am. Release me to do my father's business. But they refused. Mary and Joseph, being governed and led by the Spirit of God, did not release their son prematurely, no matter how gifted and talented and spiritually graced he was, until certain things in his life had to be put in proper order. So what did Jesus do in that context? He's crawling on the altar to die to self-fulfillment. I will not do what I want to do. This is for me very critical in the life of a spiritual son. When I can see, you see, your spiritual father can say, do this. You can say within yourself, but okay, I see, yeah, that, but I have my way. When I see abandonment and dying to the ways of self to take up an instruction that your spiritual father gives, you're proving that you are subjecting yourself to a process of Christ being formed in you. What you are really doing, don't think this lightly, brethren. What you are really doing, you are demonstrating not just to me, to Him, who is your true Father in the Lord, our Heavenly Father, right? Your eligibility to be released publicly for public ministry. And Jesus, I mean, 18 years is a long time, eh? To be silent after you've, mem- after you've mesmerized the greatest minds religiously in your day. And now someone says to you, shut the program down. Not one more meeting. Come and learn submission to us first. We will instruct you, put your life in proper arrangement. It is therefore no coincidence when at 30 he arises. And 30 is the number of maturity. He arises, and what does he still do? Subjects himself to John's ministry. Doesn't override his cousin, John, who was sent to. Jesus learned humility right through. He knew what it is to bow. He was baptized in the Jordan, which means descent, implying humility, the giving up of self-will. And when God the Father saw all of this, the heavens opened, the Spirit descended upon him as a dove. And the Father said, This is my beloved Uios.
who is ready to represent me to the world. Speak on my behalf. Perform my work. Right? And I said to you, he did in three and a half years the business of his father. He completed his mandate. If he had started at 12, right, he probably would have made shipwreck of his mission. But you see, you rather defer and come to do important assignments in a place of far greater maturity. You will accomplish the will of God. Let me tell you, brethren, learn these things quickly. You can be sitting two years from now, a prophecy. You can be sitting two years from now having certain prophecies in your life fulfilled when you learn the process. That's why I say, don't think it inconsequential. Don't think it, this is not too much of a serious thing. It is highly serious that the technon learns submission to spiritual parents who can put his life in proper order. And that facilitates his growth to maturity. And what is the final word? And he kept increasing. I like this. <laughs> it's like he had the wisdom and the grace. Remember Luke 2.40? Right? Now Luke 2.52. Luke 2.40 says um, he, he grew in stature, wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Luke 2.52 says, there's it there, he kept. Everyone say kept. Right? You see, your submission is not a prohibition. Your submission is not a wall that you, you hit. Your submission is necessary ground for you to keep progressing in certain dimensions. Don't think because you submitted. I mean, if this was the average Christian, they would have went away in total disappointment. Right? right? Total despair. Um, maybe you haven't been there yet, but you're, probably, you're going to get to this place where God will use me or somebody else to shut a program down in your life which you think you are very ready for. Right? Now that will be the greatest test of your sonship. Right? Don't be like the prodigal son who leaves the father's house and says, I want my inheritance now. Right? He was, and what does Galatians 4 says? So long as the child, as long as the heir is a child, he differs no more than a slave, right? God knows when you are ready to handle and your inheritance, and I really believe your assignment is part of your inheritance in God. The things that you are, you are called to do. Amen? The things that you are called to do. Now, so, very important these things. What is my job? Do you think I'm here to make your life miserable as a spiritual father? Okay, I'm talking in jest, but I'm serious. Do you think I consciously think, what more can I place on these people to mess their lives up? <laughs> no, I don't think like that. I'm just hearing my Heavenly Father, and my desire is to adequately represent Him before men. Not so, especially in, in your lives, right? And so I will present to you the standard or the word of the Lord in a loving and kind way, right? What is my focus? Why do I do what I do, Right? I want to see every one of us mature. I have only one ambition, is to form Christ in you. Nothing more, nothing less. Is to get you to a place where you can, you in your world, represent your father and do his business in the things God has called you to. Write this reference in Galatians 4.19. Paul said this. 
It's just there already. Right? My children. In other words, my? My technon. With whom I again am in labor until Christ is formed in you. Can you see it there? The spiritual father labors in the life of the technon until Christ is formed in the son. Amen. And so, hence I said technon is used as an expression of pupil-learner relationship. Right? You learn Christ. You learn Christ. That's what the, the scriptures teach. Christ is learned. Right? So you receive instruction by the word and by that process through your obedience as Christ is revealed through the scriptures. So you obey those things in your life and the measure and the stature of Christ is formed in you progressively day by day by day. Right? The labor of a spiritual father. Everyone say labor. The word labor is a very intense word used here. It's like to the work to the point of exhaustion. You, you labor, you wrestle. It's always a factor in your mind. Okay? Um, sometimes it's easy. I, I used to think, I visited two schools today, this afternoon. I had a dream about the one school, a very vivid dream last night, my second school at which I taught. I have dreams about that school at least every two weeks, I think for the past three years. So I know I have unfinished business there. So I went to see uh, the principal today. Um, and I knew it was exam time, so I thought the people have some time to chat, etc. And to my amazement, um, the principal was so delighted. Right? Shut everybody down, closed the office. And we sat and we spoke for almost an hour. Thereafter, he took me around the school, showing me the new things that he's done. and um, just, just a host of... Um, so just, 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 just a host of things, okay. And um, the one thing he said, he said, "Hey, he calls me Barnwell, Barnwell." The one thing I appreciated about you here, the time that you were here, and I was only there for three years, right? Is he didn't say it in these actual words, but I knew what he was trying to communicate. He said, "You had a representation of God here that I've never seen yet." in any other teacher before, right? right? And he's saying to me, for that, I want to, I want to thank you. Now, let me just say this. Why does the spiritual father labor to form Christ in you? I'm not saying this proudly or with arrogance. I'm trying to make a point, right? Why do I labor for Christ to be formed in each one of you? So that you can be adequate representations of Christ in your arena, in the place where you operate, because there are people there, in, let me just say it bluntly. The people in your work, for example, in, in the work environment, you are the only face of God there. Some of them are ever going to know. You are the reputation of God in that context. So the either you either bring God into repute or you bring Him into disrepute. Right? You either represent Him well or you bring Him dishonor by how you behave, how you talk, how you posture yourself within that, within that, within that world, or within that, within that environment. And so I've been getting these dreams about the, about the school, and I went there and I pledged. In fact, um, this principle and an affinity for me, a very significant one, a very a liking, and immediately gave me work to do. <laughs> In terms of a certain things, I pledged to him to help the school, right? And you know what? 
I had a gift for him and for another principal. I went down the road to my first school that I, I, I was at. And there I spoke to, who was the now principal, who was my grade 8 history teacher, my grade 10 history teacher, my grade 12 history teacher, and is now the principal of the school. So it knows me like inside out from a little boy. And I taught at the school in my first four years of teaching, so taught with with, with the person, etc. Right? And you know what the remark was? Because of time, I couldn't spend a lot of time there. Didn't let me go. Well, thank God you came. We're talking and talking. And you know what, you know what the principal said? And I was leaving. Now, the principal is walking with me in the car park, literally saying one last word, you know, that kind of the thing. And, and he said this to me. I can't believe there's such a peace that has filled the school in the past half an hour. This is not before the Lord might lie. A peace has filled my office. What is that? Now, you know, sometimes you don't know. You see, for you and I, this is normal. This is who we are. But when you put light in the midst of darkness, the light becomes stark. It becomes apparent. It becomes notable. It becomes, it becomes obvious. Now, let me just say this. Sons, if at the end of the day, I don't form Christ in you and you represent him well in your world. Then the process and the nature of this relationship has failed. It's failed to achieve its ultimate objective of forming Christ in, in every single one of us. Now, the point is, I labor. I labor. Paul says, you people, we write the Galatians, you people at Galatia, I labor. And he says in childbirth again, the second travail, apostles call this, because they had left um, their position in Christ, gone back to Judaism, right? They say, I must labor again, that Christ be now formed within you. And you know, the full formation of Christ within you will be this, will be the you as sonship position. So I want to encourage you, strive for this position. Strive for it with, with all of your heart. Become Christ to your world. Okay? So, how did we get onto all of that? I can't remember. In any case, the Lord knows. <laughs> Representation in the workplace. Okay. Now, the term technon, like I said, is often used to designate the nature of the relationship between the, the pupil and the, his teacher, or the teacher and the, the learner. Take this reference down. You will see this in 1 Samuel 3, verse 16. It's not in your notes, but just take it there. Just make, make, make the reference. Is it there? No, it's not there. 1 Samuel 3, 16. It says the following. I, I will just uh, quote it to you. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Yeah, I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down. Remember, he, he could not discern that the Lord was speaking to him. Samuel was unaccustomed to the voice of the Lord at this stage. And remember, on three occasions, he, while sleeping, the Lord called him, but he came to Eli. So Eli says to him, Samuel, my son. Okay, I did not call you. For the third time, Samuel, my son. Next time he calls, say, speak, Lord, your servant. I think it's a powerful illustration. The word son is used, obviously Ben, in that context. But I think it's, it's, it's the nature of the technon relationship 
where the father would educate the son in terms of relating more closely to God, his, his heavenly father. Okay, to God, his, his heavenly father. Okay, can we do just one more, one more aspect? The technon must walk closely in the doctrine and the ways of his spiritual father in the Lord during this time. Right? You've got to walk closely in the doctrine, that's the teachings of your spiritual father and his lifestyle. Right? Jesus must learn how to submit to Joseph and Mary in his context. Right? And I wrote in your notes, probably more than at any other time, it's imperative that the technon mimic. Everyone say mimic. Not copy. You mimic the ways of your spiritual father so long as these are reflective of Christ in, in, any, in every way. And then Ephesians 5 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children or technon. Walk in love. So who are you to imitate? So we all imitate God and we walk in love. And what is God? What is God? God is love. So to walk in love is to mimic or imitate God, right? The word mimic I like because the Greek word for imitate here is mimetes. Everyone say mimetes. And it literally means to follow, followers. We get the English word mimic from this word. And mimic or mimetes. Now here's the, the key thing about mimic or imitate. You should underline this exactly. To copy exactly. It's an exact copy. It's not, uh, the copy is not spurious or the, the copy is not, um, not reflective of the original. You know when you make a photocopy, a duplicate copy, it truly reflects the original copy, right? The, the, the sun must mimic, listen carefully, the doctrine and the ways of his spiritual father. He must copy God, but God will give you a standard in your life. That is accurately representative of him for you to copy. So by copying your spiritual father who is accurate in the Lord, you are really mimicking God. And I'll show you the verse. Here's a lovely verse. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6 and 7. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Can you see that? Now Paul is speaking as a spiritual father to the Thessalonians. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So you became what? An example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. I like that. Okay. Now, it's amazing. Paul says you mimicked, you mimetist us and the Lord. What he's really saying is, when you copied us, you copied the Lord. Because we were accurate representations of the, of the Lord. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15, he says, For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the, through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, mimic me, copy me, imitate me exactly. Right? Now you might say, how dare man say that? Right? This is the preserve, the function, 
and the awesome responsibility and let me add fearful responsibility that spiritual fathers have is to present to you a representation of God that is copyable in your world right so it's a serious role that spiritual fathers have so Paul says copy me as you do so you're copying you're copying the Lord right now verse 17 is powerful he says for this reason I send to you Timothy who is my beloved and my faithful child in the Lord, he will remind you of my... So who knows Paul's ways? Timothy knows Paul's ways very well. Okay? So Paul is saying to the Corinthians, by the way, if you guys then want to copy me, and as you copy me, you will be copying God, just look at Timothy. Because this guy models everything I stand for. By copying him, you'll be copying me. Now Paul called Timothy my like-minded son. Right? Every father needs like-minded sons. People he can point to, to cause others to look to, so that his ways can be imparted through that person to a whole community of people. Right? This is the the methodology of fast-tracking representation we need more people represent in fact if you go back to the original verse look at first thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6 and 7 look at it again you became imitators of us and the lord having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the holy spirit so that you became what you became what you became the standard to what to all the believers and he he, he cites two whole provinces a whole of macedonia and the whole of Achaia, you've become the standard of my representation to all those people. Right? And all of this is the reserve, the responsibility of this technon son. It's very important. Everyone say, copy your spiritual father. So long as, add the right in, so long as your father is copying Christ. This, you know, because this teaching in the hands of the, of the wrong uh, people can be highly abused. And let me just say this publicly to you. You are only permitted to copy my example so long as my example is reflective of Christ. Right? You are not called upon to copy me if I'm not truly a reflective of Christ in that area in which you are called to mimic. Okay? So if, if, if I harbor a grudge against my greatest enemy, you are not permitted to copy that. In fact, I'm disqualified in my representation. I'm not entirely perfect, but we strive to be, right? But if in areas, and sometimes your spiritual father um, might lack in certain respects, but if his heart is pure, right? He might not be entirely perfect, but if there's a purity of heart, of desire, of discipline, and if his representation before you is honorable, doing his best to represent the Lord, you are to copy him, so long as he is copying Christ. I want to say it again. In the areas in which your leader or your spiritual father fails to represent Christ, you are not to follow him in those areas. Right? Otherwise, um, brings abortion to the very intent of the nature of that relationship. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said to them again, Be imitators of me, yes, the rider, just 
as I also am of as I also am of Christ. Amen? I think I'm going to stop here because of time. Do you want to do another one? Two more. We might as well finish this. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, just I will go to this very quickly. The technon begins to work in active support of his father in the Lord. Okay? The support might be expressed in a variety of ways. For example, financially, practically, fellow laboring, this lab, working alongside him or her, and also in support of prayer. So it doesn't have, just doesn't have to be only financial. It could be in prayer. It could be in other ways. In, at times, you could be fellow laboring. Paul called Timothy, my tecton, he says, my fellow worker, my fellow laborer. Here is it. I love this portion, eh? Philippians 2 verse 19 to 22 says, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. You should underline that I have no one else. Paul, the great apostle, said this, I have no one else like this son. Right? Now, you, we, all sons might not be like-minded, but I think every spiritual father needs at least a few like-minded sons in his world. So what, what is Paul saying to the Philippians? I can't come to you, but I'm hoping to send Timothy. Because this guy is not like other guys. When he comes, he says everybody else is looking for their own interest. But Timothy... He's equally sold to me. Soul, a soul. He's a soul just like my soul. He cares for the things of Christ. So I have no problem sending this son to you. Right? Because when he comes, he will take care of your welfare, your spiritual welfare in the Lord. For everybody else seeks their own, but not so with Timothy. They all seek their own interests and not those of Christ. And I like this. But you know Timothy's proven worth and here's it. He served how? Everyone say with me. He served with me in the furtherance of the gospel. How? Like a technon serving his father. Right? Like a technon serving his father. In Paul's mind, listen carefully. When Timothy serves Paul, in terms of helping with the ministry, Timothy is serving God. Hmm? And so he's He's laboring, and Paul couldn't go to this context. He, Paul, Timothy goes on his behalf because he is not concerned about his own interests. And let me just say this. You might not all come and fellow labor with me in a practical sense. And there's coming a day soon when uh, we're going to have to send people out as the need grows. But you all can labor in a fellow laboring sense, in your disposition, in your support financially, in your support, especially in prayer. Everyone say pray, right? Prayer support is a critical thing with apostolic work, right? So hence on Sunday I asked to pray for the next trip to Nakala. I want you to take that very, very, very seriously. Pray daily if you have to. Make it part of your family altar. We pray for the work. What are you demonstrating? I'm not concerned about my own interests. 
concerned about the mandate my father carries. Where he is, I might not be physically there. But I'm standing before God in the spirit. Let me just say this. God sees where man does not see. And you will have the regard of God as though you were you're physically present. Okay? One last point. The technon lives. I like this. The technon lives in the hope and the, the desire of his inheritance. Uh, do, you, do you want to practically receive your inheritance? You know, more than at any other stage, it's, it's here where this guy realizes, I have an inheritance. I'm going to pursue it with all of my heart. Right? He becomes conscious of the fact that he's a co-heir with Christ. And hence, he cannot be joined to any element of bondage. Yeah, he starts to set aside the things that entangle him. And he starts to focus, to come into a place of absolute maturity, to take hold of his inheritance in the Lord. Galatians 4 verse 28 says the following, And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children or technion, technon of promise. But as that time, he who was born according to the flesh, persecuted him, was born according to the spirit, so he is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her, and her son. For the son, the weos of the bondwoman, shall not be an heir with the uos of the, of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not technon of the bondwoman, but of the... Can you see the play upon words here? The mature child, the mature child, everyone say weos. This is a different spelling. I told you, right? The first lesson can be spelled either way, either starting with the H or the U. Right? So when it starts with the U, we pronounce it weos. When it starts with the H, we pronounce it uios. So let's get used to it. Weos and uios. Right? So it says in context here, now read it carefully again. I like how it's phrased here. Look at verse 31. For the weos son of the... Who's the bond woman, by the way? I'm assuming you know these things. It's Hagar. Right? Who bore Ishmael, right? So the son of the flesh, the son of bondage, of the bond woman, who himself is mature in his bondage. Right? Shall not be an heir with, everyone say with. That's why, that's why if you are co-heir with Christ, you can't be co-joined to anything else that's bondage. Right? So there's a bondage element that wants to co-join you because of what you are co-heir to. To keep you from grabbing that. So this technology is in this tense position. So Paul is writing to the Galatians and he's saying to them, Brethren, the Uios of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son, the U, the Uios of the free woman who is Sarah. Right? And the son of the free woman is Isaac, the son of promise. So then, brethren, it says we are technons of the we are not technons of the bondwoman, but of the free woman. I like the tension here between technon and Uios. It's almost saying we are. Remember, technon is legitimate offspring, one as produced, a designation to, uh, def, uh, to indicate from where you issue forth from. So as technons of the free, 
sons of promise, sons of Christ. We reach forth for a UEOS position. And reaching forth for that UEOS position, we refuse to be co-joined or entangled with any element that brings us again into enslavement or bondage. Specifically sin, unrighteousness, things that keep us back. Because nothing of the bondwoman will ever enter into inheritance with the son of the free. Hmm? That's why this point is very important. Look at the heading again. The technon lives in the hope and the desire of his inheritance. Tell your neighbor, I want my inheritance. So this, if you look at me, there's this tension of reaching forth for it. Right? It's technology reaches for this UEOS position that gives him access to his inheritance. And Paul in context says, in view of that brethren, don't be, have any association with anything that brings you into bondage. Right? So tell your neighbor, cut the bondage off. Cut the bondage off. You're not in bondage to sin. You're not in bondage to unrighteousness. Right? Um, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, it says, when you were in the world, you were by nature children of wrath. In other words, you had the nature of disobedience in you. But now, God who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. He has set us free from that. So we, we are separate unto the Lord. Amen? And look at, yes, yes, a lovely portion just to close off with. Romans 8, verse 16 and 17. The Spirit Himself testifies... Is it in your notes? The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are what? Remember I said this to you at the start? The witness of the Spirit to your spirit is that you're legally in the kingdom. Your sins are forgiven you. The Spirit witnesses with your spirit that you are the technon of God. And if technon is also... Can you see? The technon says, I want my inheritance. If technon, I have a right to grab this... Well, not a, you, you, you have a right to appropriate it. You have a right to pursue it. You're legally empowered to reach out for it. If you are a technon, a child, a son, you are also an heir, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him so that we might also be, be glorified with Him. Right? Be glorified with Him. Now, I should have put verse 15 in there. Take the reference down. Just write there, Romans, Romans 8, verse uh, 14 and, and 15. Okay. Verse 15 indicates something to the effect that he sends forth the spirit of adoption as sons. Whereby we what? We cry? Abba Father. Sons, their adoption as sons is euosthesia. In other words, it's an adoption of... When, when you said yes to the Lord, you adopted as His son. And it says He's given you the adoption as sons, as euos. That doesn't mean when you said yes to the Lord, you came there overnight. All that scripture is saying... The witness in you is that you are technon, legally part of it. 
You could start the process as an infant and migrate towards maturity. But already, when you said yes to the Lord, your adoption says, he, the Spirit cries out within you, Abba, Father. And that Spirit, he says, is the Spirit, it's a Spirit of adoption as sons. Right? It's like Uios is always present within you from the time you said yes to the Lord. But progressively it's waiting to be uncovered as you journey in the Lord. Right? Your maturity, tell your neighbor, your maturity is right within you. You see, I like that. You see, there's the two verses you mustn't confuse. The witness of the Spirit. His Spirit witnesses with your spirit that you are, sons, technons, is different from the cry of the spirit. The spirit cries up before. That cry is for adoption as sons. The spirit witnesses as to your legal status, but the spirit cries for your maturity as a son. And you know what the Romans, you must read the whole of Romans 8. What is creation waiting for? Even the Bible says, creation's eagerly waiting. For the revelation of the Uios. And Paul says, we cry also. Are you crying for this level? Let the Spirit in you cry. I pray you may not sleep tonight. Okay, it's cold, it's winter, you probably are going to. But I pray as you put your head on the pillow. Say, thank you Holy Spirit, You've wit- I'm, a, I'm a technon. Right? I'm going to observe all the principles attendant with, with the technon. Son. My sins um, have been forgiven me. I'm growing in you. I have a witness within me that I am a son. My sins are washed away. No more guilt. Uh, no more condemnation in the Lord. Amen. I'm legally a part of, 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 of the state of my, of my father. I'm starting to overcome sin. I'm living a life of practical righteousness. I'm starting to flourish in love for all of my, all of my brothers. Starting to not only talk the love, starting to... Now, walk. What is this technon doing? It's getting bigger and, and bigger. And all of these practical steps of obedience, even when this technon starts to submit his whole life to the Word of God and the grace of God in his spiritual father, designed to shape the nature of Christ in him, abandoned self-will, embrace the vision of his father, starts to labor alongside his father, practically support his father, copying imitating, mimicking both doctrine and lifestyle, so long as the spiritual father is following the Lord, is starting to actively support his father like Timothy, Timothy did um, to Paul, right? And all these are indications. This technology is saying, I want to get to this place. I strive to get to this place where I can appropriate the totality of my inheritance in God. I'll remind you again, Rosh said this marvelously today, that Mary, Jesus is Mary's technon, but the Heavenly Father's Uios. But the technon needs to submit to Mary and Joseph to a place when the Father can say, my Uios, come forth, you are now ready to fulfill your assignment in, in me. Amen. The Spirit cries within you. Can I, can I ask you to do yourself a favor? Read Romans chapter 8 tonight. Would you do that? Right? Meditate, meditate on it. Hear the three cries. 
cry of the spirit, the cry of creation. And the Bible says we too also cry, longing for this place of inheritance, this place of absolute maturity in Christ. Amen? Amen. The Lord bless you.